Yo, what's up, everybody? It's time for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I'm joined as always by my co hosts, my partners in crime, my brothers from other mothers, Jim Cross, Randy Jowers. And guys, tonight's episode five titled Push Your Heart Across the Line because we're going to do just that with University of Tennessee football star Jerome Carvin. But, Jim, before Jerome joins us, man, I got to ask, dude, how was the weekend? Well, you know, to fit the title of this episode, my daughter is getting back into shape. And so I had to push my heart across the line because I was not going to let her beat me in sprint, my guy. And so I did sprint after sprint until I almost threw up. So I spent this weekend training with my athletic daughter. Well, dude, it win them while you can because at some point it's going to the, the tables are going to turn for sure. You know, and whether it's shoots and ladders, Candyland, Uno, you name it, paper, rock, scissors, I'm gonna beat my daughter every time because I know there's a, there will be a day where I will not. So, Absolutely. man, with that, let's get to it. Help me welcome on to the show with the biggest interview in podcasting this week: University of Tennessee football star Jerome Carvin. Jerome, my man, welcome to the show. How are we doing tonight? Man, I'm doing great. How are y'all doing? Man, we are blessed. We're talking football. It's just right around the corner. We're going to get into all things Tennessee. But before we do, man, you're a big guy, and I'm a gym rat. I need you to, I need you to humble me, take my ego down. You know, I just got up 385 the other day, which is probably what you warm up with. I need to know, man. Y'all, y'all been hitting the weight room. What you benching? Benching? Nah, hey, 385, that's, hey, that's – that's that's a lot now, nah, man. You got me beat. I'm like, I'm around 370, 375. You lie. Okay. How many you times you do 220? How many times you do 225 though? Probably like 30. Uh, no, nah, I'll say like I'll say most I've done it before is 22. Uh, Jerome, we we we're gonna start the podcast like this. Like you inflating this dude's head. <laughs> like now nah, he this, probably got some great numbers. <laughs> hey man. now hey pre- pressure's on now though man you i'm gonna need you to i'm gonna need to see you push for more than 375 pounds of force this year though oh yeah no doubt no doubt about that all right man well where are you uh where were you born man i was born out of the country in guam a country called guam it's like right by the philippines and japan it's like yeah. a small island yeah yeah, and I've seen through studying that your dream vacation is to go back there to see where you were born. Have you uh, been able to do that yet, or is it in the works? What's up? Yeah, uh, I've never I've never been back, uh, but uh, it's definitely been in the works real soon, so I would love to vacation there and see where I was born. Absolutely. When you get to the NFL and you get that contract and get that money, it's going to be easy to get there. <laughs> no doubt. All right. Well, I see your mom was in the Navy and uh, I was in the, the Navy as well. So I appreciate her service. And, you know, I know what it's like to be on the move so I can relate. Um, but, you know, what I want to get into, man, five siblings. Where do you fall? Are you the oldest, youngest, middle? Where are we at? I'm the second youngest. So there's only one younger than me. Oh, so, I mean, talk, yeah. to, talk to me. Were you uh, are we talking about girls, boys? We, are you getting beat on? What's what's going on growing up? Yeah. So I have four sisters and one brother. Oh, so, so the yeah, girls, he getting beat on then. It don't yeah, matter if yeah, all yeah, yeah, all of yeah. I got, I got girls. So, uh, 
man, but yeah, hey, my brother, my brother used to, hey, yeah, my brother used to beat me up. Now he can't do it no more, but man, yeah, he put me through it. So let me ask you, did they play sports? Did the girls play sports? Oh, uh, I honestly, I don't think so. I think uh, my brother played football and like, you know, basketball and stuff like that. But not, I don't the girls, no, none of the girls did it. Nope. So you you was the clear best athlete in the house. It was no, it was no doubt about it. Yeah, I'm diff- I'm the best athlete in the family. So yeah. <laughs> what, about your, what about your parents? I mean, you had to get them jeans somewhere. They they play sports. Yeah, my dad played football in high school. Uh, mom mom ran track uh, and stuff like that. And so uh, there it is. Yeah, so the it was, combination, exactly. the combination of the, yeah. of the strength and speed. I got you. All right. So, you know, when did you start playing football? I mean, I imagine you being big from a young age. So when did, when did somebody approach you or when did you want to play? When did that happen? Yeah, I got introduced to the game around, I want to say I was seven, uh, around six or seven years old, uh, playing Little League in Memphis. Uh, I actually played SYS, if y'all know what that is. Yeah, SYS, I played SYS. So um, Absolutely. Yeah. Which team? Yeah, now you got to throw out the team because we're familiar. Oh, yeah. Yes, I played for Cordova Wolves. Yeah. So, Daniel, yeah, so when you play, Daniel, who did you play for? The Packers? No, Ellendale Bears. Oh, that's right. Uh, that's right. <laughs> get that right. <laughs> Justin McKee was your quarterback, wasn't he? No, he was with the Packers, man. That's why. Okay, that's why I thought y'all played. Y'all man, were best we, friends. Hold on, y'all were best friends and on different teams. Yeah, I mean, hmm. they had a stud team. The Packers had, I mean, Marcel and Floyd and Justin and some dudes. I mean, we was okay. We was pretty so, good. So Jerome, when you was when you was going through SYS, he's saying mm-hmm. that you know the Packers were king. Was, was it the Wolves or who who was the top dog when you when you was going through? Man, top dog when I was playing. Man, we had a lot of trouble with the Memphis Bears. Memphis Bears, I would say, and the Whitehaven Raiders at the time. So we had trouble with them. Yeah, and it's 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 cool to know, and I bet Randy can speak to this. SYS is still jumping off, is it not? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Whitehaven, man, they they just breed football players over there. Yeah, they do. From a young age. So what I want to know, so, you know, were you always the biggest kid on the field? Were you the kid getting, you know, they're checking your birth certificate? <laughs> yeah, I was pretty big. I, I feel like I was, I was like, I was pretty big. I never ran the ball or anything like that. So I always played offensive line, defensive line. So I did, so yeah, I was the big kid. So growing up, you know, I read that, that you, you know, you played both, you know, uh, which one was more fun for you? When I was younger, defensive line, uh, just because I didn't understand, I didn't, I didn't really understand offensive line. I feel like it was soft. I feel like you know you just you just catching people and stuff like that. But man, as I got older, I fell in love with offensive line, and I'm still playing to this day. So, so you know, you, you're talking about you know the offensive line. Is there one particular player? You know, obviously, as a kid growing up, you gotta you gotta have one player that's your favorite. Like, who are you looking up to? Who are you following as a kid? As a kid, uh, man, I'm a huge New Orleans Saints fan, um, big New Orleans Saints fan. I know this is out of position, but Drew Brees, Drew Brees really got me like into like watching football and stuff like that. So Drew Brees, so you wanted to protect a guy like Drew. Yeah, Drew. Yeah, Jerome. Yeah. I gotta be honest with you. I'm a little mad because look, I have two different backgrounds that I use for my for our podcast, and on the flip side is the Drew Brees jersey. I'm a little mad that I got this background now. I want to flip this whole thing around so we can have the Saint stuff in the back. I, I yeah, I dropped the ball on you, man. <laughs> you you have uh really made Jim's night. You have let him know that he can bench more, 
and now you, your your favorite player or the guy you're idolizing is his his dude. Like man, like he he's not gonna stop talking about you, Randy. Man. I will wear I will wear Tennessee this year. Where, Randy, I'm on board. Jerome, one question and one question only about the Saints because I don't really want to hear about them. But where do you stand <laughs> on the Taysom Hill situation? Mm. Man, uh, I feel like Taysom Hill is uh man. You know he's a gadget player. Like he's a weapon. Uh, as a should he be the starting quarterback? I don't think so. But uh, I think I think we can rock out with Jameis. I think Jameis would be good for us. All right. I like your answer, Jerome. You've passed the test now. We were, it was really going way too much Jim's way. I had to bring it back a little yeah. bit to the center. Look, no, look I've, I've never said that Winston wasn't no, a true. better quarterback. I just – I love Taysom. I, like you said, he's gadget. He's fun to watch. You never know what you're going to get. Yeah. No I bet doubt. it's hard to be an offensive lineman for a guy like Taysom because you never know where that dude is. and He's just running. I feel like it would be one where you, as a lineman, you you hit the assignment perfectly, and he runs into where you're blocking the guy, and you're like, dude, I I, I can't do anything about that. <laughs> no, nah, it's a gift and a curse, man. I, I would say it's a gift and a curse because, man, he can he can get you out of a lot of situations, get you out of, you know, so you might got beat clean on the play, and he get, gets out of it. So, so look. Yeah, y'all said y'all didn't want to get to him, but Randy, I gotta ask him because the Saints defense, you know, forever was never good, and now we are so good. I mean, you gotta be loving how good that Saints defense is. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm loving it. Uh, you know, they just drafted Alante Taylor, my former teammate. So uh that's a uh, DB. He went to a great DB room. So yeah, Randy is rocking over there. Randy always talks about it. The Saints love Tennessee players. They do, man. They do, they do, they do. Hopefully, they, hope they, they love hope them again next year. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no doubt. So bringing us back i mean jim could sit here and talk all day about the saints um and obviously you know we'll, we'll get down into you know tennessee and the nostalgia and the players that you know went there um but take me obviously you played sys cordova wolves you went to cordova high school correct went to cordova high school yeah yeah man y'all play bolton high school uh man when i was, when i got there uh because i i didn't start off at cordova uh, I started off at Germantown High School okay. and uh, my freshman year, and then I ended up uh, transferring to St. Benedict at Auburndale, so SBA. And man, so I, I went to and I went to another school called Craigmont High School, oh, and then Craigmont. I went to Cordova. So I, I was moving around a lot, man. But uh, my goodness, I mean, I, I yeah. said something about you traveling at an early age. You just kept on. I, yeah, I kept doing it. Yeah, when I got to Memphis, I kept doing it. So uh, ended up at Cordova, man, was the best school for me. But uh, we never played. I feel like we, we were six A's so in Bolton. I think at the time when I was in high school, they were three A or four A. So we never really got to play them. Yeah. So when we were there, we played Cordova. I want to say at least twice. But we were five A yeah. then. Yeah. I mean, I, it it was in a in a strange time where Cordova was just opening, so they were adding a class every year. And I want to say, by the time we were seniors, they had a full class. But I don't know if we played them every year. But nonetheless, we we got beat pretty handily every year we played them um you know it wasn't fun it, it wasn't fun you guys coming out to bolton and beating us on our 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 home field and then us going over there and losing to y'all um jerome was, don't feel special though because everybody did it to bolton so it's not yeah. like oh yeah. wow we had to, we had to do that yeah. huh, randy we, we we just gonna go there huh oh my bad <laughs> i was i was gonna slowly like you know, hop over that part. But, Jerome, you know. the good the good news for Daniel is Daniel was also a stud baseball player, and our baseball team was phenomenal. So, unfortunately, I was a loser all the time. Daniel was at least a winner half the time. Yeah, I mean, I had to look forward to something, man. But 
obviously at Cordova, um, you know, you did you play both sides of the ball? Man, um, so actually, fortunately, I didn't have to. Uh, man, we when I was at when I got to Cordova, man, we had uh, we had a stud D line, and uh, you know, my former teammate Quimbo Hanna uh, played at Cordova High School, went to uh, University of Kentucky, and now he got drafted uh, last year by Dallas Cowboys. So he was he was part of that defensive line, and man, I think that whole D line ended up signing. Two of them went D1, and the other guys, um, one guy went FCS. Uh, D1AA and the other guy went Juco so man all them boys signed so I didn't have to yeah so you're spending time on the offensive ball offensive side of the ball do you kind of go hey man like I think at the next level this is where I'm projected to play or were there still hopes at some point you might could get back to that defensive side of the ball nah it was man as soon as I hit high school man I knew I was an offensive lineman from the jump so uh Man, I love it. I love being offensive line. I love playing football, man. It's just I love blocking stuff. Hey, where wherever you can play, that's gonna help the team win, right? Exactly. Yeah. So junior, senior year, you guys, you know, made it to the playoffs. Uh 2016, you made it to the state semifinals. You know, of your seasons at Cordova, like which was your favorite? Uh man, my I feel like my favorite was probably my junior year. My junior year, we ended up going to the fourth round of the playoffs. Um, man, had a had an undefeated season. Uh, well, no, I'm sorry. Ended up being 9-1 in the regular season. Lost to our rivals, Whitehaven. Uh, man, went to the playoffs, started real strong. Got to the fourth round, the game before state. And, man, we lost to Whitehaven again. So, Whitehaven beat us twice. It's the only team that beat us that year, and they beat us twice. So, that, that was probably my best year. Most fun team to be on. At least you're 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 playing a team and you're getting beat at at a high you know level late in the season, but by a good team. It's not like you showed up and you're like, man, we should beat these guys. At, at least you felt like they were pretty much a juggernaut. Like that losing to them, you know, and, and as far as losing goes, I guess that's respectable, yeah. right? No, I was yeah. actually at the first when y'all played in the regular season. That yeah. that field, it was crazy for one. It was everybody yeah. in the city was there. But for two, there was so much talent on that football field. Both both teams, both sides of the ball, exciting electric defense. Off, I mean, it was just unbelievable that that was a high school game because you know Memphis gets slept on when it comes to high school talent. But that night yeah. alone just proved that this, it's deep. It is, yeah, it, man. That that game, uh, that game stung for sure. Uh, man, that crowd was rocking at Cordova, but uh, we went to Whitehaven in the playoffs. Man, that that one really hurt, man. Um, just knowing because. Cause then they they went on the state and won, and it was like, man, we was right there. So, so what was your favorite game? I mean, obviously, you know that's a that's a pretty you know big time moment, you know, as far as in your high school career. But you know, what is your favorite game? Oh, in high school, I would say uh, in the playoffs that year, going against Ravenwood, a team out of Nashville. Uh, the previous year, they they were state champions in six A. And so uh, they came in, they came into Cordova, uh, you know, pretty like confident and stuff like that, man. And man, we blew them out. I think it was like 42 to 14. That's probably one of my favorite uh, favorite games, I would say, in high school. They, they came in the dirty Dover thinking they was just going to run, run rough yeah. over y'all. Yeah, they, they did. They did. They were talking trash and everything. But Ain't that what Nashville always does to us, Jerome? Just thinking they're better than yeah. us, man. We got to show them what's they, up. Yeah. Exactly. I don't know why they think that, but yeah, they think they always think they're better than Memphis. We had to show them. 
So you were ranked as a four-star prospect by rivals and a top 10 recruit in Tennessee. In 2017, you were all, all region seven, six, a team in 2016, you were all region four, six, a team. You attended the new Orleans Nike opening regional camp under, uh, and the under armor all American camp in 2017. You know, at what point throughout, you know, all of those different things, did you realize, man, like I, I got what it takes to play at the next level. And when did you start seeing colleges like seriously, like having conversations with you? Uh, I knew, I knew I could play on, uh, play on like a, a college level, like SEC type level, uh, my freshman year, uh, my coach was telling me like at the Germantown, they were, um, they were pretty much saying like, man, like, man, you could be starting on varsity right now, but man, we like, we don't put freshmen on varsity team. So I was, I was stuck on the freshman team. I was like, man, this is crazy. So I'm on the freshman team, balling out or whatever, and they was telling me like, man, you, man, you have a real future at this, and uh, that's I kind of feel like that's why I started like really believing in it and really started like seeing it, and so I mean I just kept kept it going. Daniel, I got I got to chime in real quick to you. They do that all the time. I hear about that in in all different sports, not just football. What are your thoughts, man? When they when like if a freshman's good, does it matter? I I don't think so. I'd rather them get some experience and play. Right. I mean. I'll I'll tell you this. The best thing that ever happened to my freshman team was a lot of us ended up getting a chance to play a little bit in varsity games. And then we got blown out so much that we ended up getting a lot of playing time towards the end of the season. So like the very next year, there was a lot of confidence. So like, I, I feel like now I know why you didn't end up at Germantown. <laughs> yeah, they had, they had a little something to do with it. They, 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 were, hold, they were holding you back. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say that. I could say that. So what were, you know, what were the top schools that were recruiting you? Like, not not so much. I'm sure a guy like uh, of your caliber, you got a lot of schools, you know, you got a list that you have to narrow down. What are the three top schools that you said, like, you were seriously considering? Yeah, so um, I actually had four. I had, I had, a, I had a top four uh, going into signing day. But um, they were all ACC. I knew I, I knew all along I wanted to play in the ACC, uh, and they were all ACC. Uh, the four were Tennessee, Don't Auburn. say LSU. Actually, fun story. Uh, that is the only ACC school to not offer me. Would you, would, you have would you have took it? That's <laughs> what I need to know. I I would have jumped. So growing up, my, so my family my family is from Louisiana. So I'm from I'm my family's from Louisiana, from New Orleans home area down south. So man, I was a big LSU fan. Growing up, man, I would have jumped at it in a heartbeat. And so, you know what I just heard from him, guys? He wishes he was protecting nah. Joe Burrow in 2019. <laughs> That's what I heard. Well, maybe that. But I think what he was saying is LSU shunned him, and now he's got to beat that ass when they come play this year. You know what I'm saying? That's right. That is, that's right. So, yeah. ultimately, how did you narrow it down and go, all right, Tennessee is is, is my spot? Yeah, so – oh, yeah, my fault. Uh, let me continue. So, the top four schools, Tennessee, Auburn, Florida, and Mississippi State. And so, uh, man, I was I was in school uh, one day, and uh, one of my teachers, Miss Fernley, was like – I don't know, I kept – I was so stressed. I, and uh, my mom and dad were – they really went to help me. They were like, look, like, you're going to college. Like, we're not going to college. We're not going out to play football. So, you got to come up with your own decision. So, I was like, ah, oh, y'all not trying to help me. But – it was cool because uh, I understood what they were saying, but uh, I went in there to my teacher one day and uh, 
I don't know. She, she just knew I was frustrated and like just stressed about it. And uh, I guess we started writing stuff down on the paper, like pros and cons pretty much. And so, man, we, we put the four schools down or whatever and uh, did the pros and cons of each one. And uh, at the end, it graded out Tennessee. So uh, that's how I ended up picking Tennessee, honestly. So was this like on a like a like a notebook pad and paper? Or were you on the Promethean like, board writing it down? It was. This is a piece of paper, like a, a loose piece of paper that I found in class. So the teacher that helped you do all this, I mean, you're gonna you're gonna like you know remember. So Tennessee can thank her. Number one, number two, we got you're gonna like shout her out on draft night or something, right? Definitely, yeah, definitely, definitely. Her. Uh, I also, I mean, of course, my my teammate Jeremy Banks had a lot to do with it. Too. Oh, I'm gonna bring that up when we get into talking about Tennessee. But Jerome, <laughs> yeah. I gotta address one thing. You said one of your top four schools was Florida, and I'm glad you didn't pick them because we wouldn't be having this interview right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> we got a, we got a rule on this on this here podcast. So we we've interviewed players from every school in the SEC except for Florida and Vanderbilt, and I hope we never break that rule. <laughs> that's a good rule that's a good rule absolutely so so jerome you you get to tennessee obviously there's some, some tumultuous times kind of going into it they fire their coach or whatever jeremy pruitt comes in obviously you commit under jeremy pruitt right yep yeah okay so what tell me once you commit and you kind of get that behind you i'm sure it's a lot of stress off your back you're going into the next year what was it like that first day that you step on campus as a tennessee volunteer what's going through your head Man, first day uh, I got to campus. I got to campus January eighth of twenty eighteen. So man, I was I was I came early. So I, I was a mid year. Uh, man, first time sitting on campus, I was like, man, what did I get myself into? My parents dropped me off. I got in the dorm. That door shut. I was like, man, I'm I'm really alone out here. Six so, hours uh, away. Yeah, six hours away. So I was like, man, what I'm gonna do? Man, that first workout. That first workout I had. I thought I was training hard when I was back at home. I, nah, I wasn't. Man, I, I had, I was going through it, man. They put me through it. Um, it was tough. It was tough. But I had, I had, a, I had a great group of teammates that like helped me out. Uh, a lot of the great, I had a great older, older crew that like was there for me and uh, you know they helped me navigate me through the process. And man, they, they helped me out a lot. Yeah, you had one of the best Tennessee linemen in recent memory, and Trey Smith, right? A guy that you know dealt with some injuries and blood clots and things, and was vastly underrated going into the draft. And to just see him do what he's done in the league, I think a guy like you obviously knows better. But I think we all knew he could do that, right? And so, do you guys? You still keep in touch with Trey? I'm sure. Oh, most definitely. Yeah, I was. Uh, a funny thing, I, I went to the uh, O line masterminds uh, event in Dallas, Texas, and man, uh, I stayed with him. I stayed with him and Cade, and uh, they had like a little spot down there in Dallas. So we stayed with them, me and Darnell, and man, it was great. Man, I keep in contact with them. We talk. We pretty much talk almost every day. So. Nah, How many Trey pairs of cowboy boots does Trey have? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, I Probably know that a few. I've seen with my own two eyes. I think he has like three pairs okay. that I've seen. So, Jerome, you mentioned something that's not not odd, but it stands out that you were a mid-year, so you came in in January. How much do you think coming in that early helped you develop for your freshman year? Oh, it's huge. It was, it was major. Uh, man, I feel like that made me like take a jump over – over the other guys coming in as well as like some of the older guys that were that I was competing for a spot in um kind of helped me help me learn the system early because I mean it's a new system for everyone so uh you know we pretty much was on the same playing field at that point and uh, I feel like that helped me out a huge huge time no absolutely so when you when you're coming in you say you're kind of shocked by the workouts and just being there six hours away from home but you come in immediately and, and you're seeing playing time. Did you think coming in when you got there in January that you were going to see the, as much playing time as you did your freshman year? 
Yeah, uh, honestly, uh, I, I, in my mind, uh, coming on campus, I was like, man, I, I want to come here and start as a true freshman. And uh, I did that, uh, man. My season, it didn't go as, as I planned, but uh, it, was, it was a good starting point for sure of my career. No, absolutely. Obviously, it didn't end the way that anybody wanted it to. But what was the yeah. one thing you learned your freshman year that you took from there and have used your last couple years? Man, just I would say uh, the work ethic part, um, just like, man, those just any days, like all the days that you that you get off days, man, you got to do something. You got to work, uh, man. Honestly, just communication and just um just having that mindset, honestly, that man, the confidence that you can do it. Uh, I would say I took that from that. I, I lacked it that first year and I just got it back. And uh, the second year and just kept going, kept going. So, yeah. So going into your sophomore year, obviously you have a, a good amount of time under your belt and some playing time as well. Starts off a little rocky as far as the record goes. And then the coaching staff finally wises up. They start you, Jerome. And all of a yeah. sudden, you know, you, you win the what six in a row capped off by the bowl victory. I mean, what do you think specifically happened other than them starting you finally? that set you guys going in the right direction? Man, uh, I, can't, I can't really fault them at that. Uh, beginning of that year, uh, they were thinking about redshirting me, which, uh, I, you know, looking back on, I probably needed it my freshman year for sure. Uh, just knowing, just playing in this, this conference is tough, uh, especially as a young guy coming in, man. It's, it's hard playing in this conference, man. It's, it's different football. Uh, so... Now, hold oh, on, they, Jerome. they probably heard what happened at Germantown when they didn't put you on the varsity team. They were like, oh, <laughs> Jerome ain't leaving us. Yeah, so uh, and man, so I, I took that mindset. I kind of like took it as disrespect, honestly. Uh, when they talked to me about it, and uh, man, I just put my head down, went to work. Uh, uh, I, I worked and worked and worked, and I just kept going. I, I didn't get down about it, and uh, and I would say, uh, man, uh, we I, I just kept my opportunity came Mississippi State game that year, and man, I just I balled out, and I ain't, I didn't look back from there. Randy, maybe that was the plan. Let's piss this dude off. And Absolutely. We'll get the best out of him. Absolutely. So, obviously, Jerome, uh, junior year happens, and everybody knows the 2020 year, the pandemic, so you're dealing with kind of a, a weird schedule. You're playing a 10-game all-SEC schedule. You see action in all 10 games, and, you know, I don't want to bring this up. You did allow one sack, the only one of your career so far at Tennessee. <laughs> so, but I got to ask, though, what was it, not only just practicing and everything, but dealing with the pandemic, what was it like? You've already played a couple years in front of these big SEC crowds, and now you're playing in front of like 10,000, 15, 20,000 at the most. What was that like as far as atmosphere? Man, it, it was, it, it's, it's unforgettable. Uh, I'll never forget it for the rest of my life. Uh, just that year in general, it was, it was so unique. And uh, man, it was, it was tough. It was, it was kind of hard just knowing just, you just, it was the unknown, you know, like we yeah. didn't really know a lot about it. Uh, and let alone playing, playing while, while pandemic was going on. But uh, man, the stadium, it, it didn't, it didn't have the same feel. Uh, you know, we started off hot that year going two and oh, man, had a, had a great offensive line with K coming in, transferring in from Georgia, which was huge for us. But um, that's where it should have been from the start, you know, but I yeah, I, to very hit. true. Very true. <laughs> nah, very true. We talk about it all the time, but uh Man, uh, him coming in helped us out a lot. But man, we we got to Georgia and uh, man played them tough into the first half. And man, after halftime, I don't know what happened. Um, but I don't know. It, we took a turn for the worst. We went downhill after that. Man, uh, ended up losing. I want to say like six straight after yeah. that game. And um, man, just COVID and everything. Man, it's just I don't. Know, it was it was a tough year. And then I would say that was probably the starting point for me being a tough year, honestly, for that season. 
Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, you know, with a tough season, Jeremy Pruitt and the staff, you know, they're kind of, they're let go. Um, obviously you committed under Jeremy Pruitt. So this is a staff that you've built a relationship with, and I'm sure you care about these guys. They're let go and that offseason. what's kind of going through your head at this point from these guys that you played under. And that's why you committed to Tennessee. What's going through your head then? Man, honestly, um, I mean, I know y'all saw it, man, uh, man, it was, it was a mass exodus out here, man. A lot of, man, we had, I want to say 20 guys or 22 guys starters yeah. left and transferred, um, man, trust me, it, it was on, it was, it was on a lot of people's mind. It was on my mind, honestly, uh, leaving and, uh, going to another school, but, Honestly, I man, uh, I mean, I have all love for Coach Pruitt and uh, that that staff, but man, I I fell in, I fell in love with Tennessee while I was here. So uh, I uh, honestly, I knew I knew this is the best place for me. I knew I can for all the dreams and aspirations I have for myself. I knew I could accomplish it here at Tennessee. So that's yeah. my state. Absolutely. But I mean, for you guys, I'm sure that you kind of understood the guys that did leave, obviously fans and people, they don't understand. They want to hate people for leaving and all that. But for you as, as a player, I'm sure you wanted those guys to stay, but I'm sure you still have relationships. With a lot of the guys that did leave, I'm sure. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. Uh, man, I, we keep in contact, man, daily, honestly, uh, with all those guys. And, um, you know, I mean, it was unfortunate, of course, uh, man, you know, those, those my teammates for what three years at that time. Yeah. For three yeah. years. And so uh, it was tough seeing them leave, man. You really didn't want to see them go. But uh, at the same time, you wanted to see them, you know what I'm saying, flourish in their career as well. So uh, I understood it. And uh, definitely definitely keep in contact with them all the time. Randy, if uh, if Coach O wasn't too busy being scandalous, he would have he got him, Jerome, to hit the transfer portal. We'd have had him at LSU. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say what teams all reached out to you, but I guess you're not supposed to say <laughs> if you weren't in the portal. So we'll just leave that one alone, Jerome. Yeah. So we'll go straight into the senior year. Obviously, Josh Heupel gets hired. It's a whole new coaching staff. And you mentioned it was a new system. When you came in, everything you've seen from, you know, Heupel, it's a completely different system than uh, Pruitt and the guys use. So senior year, uh, you start 13 games, seven at left guard, five at center, one in right guard, and yet still did not allow a, a sack. So that, I mean, you've allowed one sack in four years, Jerome. I mean, that's, that's a hell of numbers. NFL scouts got to notice this. But my <laughs> biggest question for you is, the change of pace for an offensive lineman. You guys are obviously uh, some. You're some big bodies, right? So you got to do yeah. a lot more moving around, a lot more running. It's fast pace. You're running up to the ball. How hard was that adjustment for you guys to make from going kind of from Pruitt's system to Hypels? Man, man, it was tough. It was, it was really tough. Man, uh, the tempo is real. The tempo is real. Uh, man, they coached us on it. You know, our first couple of meetings, I was like, man, what? Like, what are these guys talking about? Like. You know, Maybe so I like, should have like, transferred. That's <laughs> like the no huddle things. Like man, they man they taught us. They was teaching us about the different referees. And I was like, what? I'm like, what are we talking about? Like, why are we not talking about football? But no, nah, like it, there's there's signs behind the madness, man, and it's, it it works as y'all as you can see, man. It, and it pays dividend, man. All the guys buying in that year, uh, Coach Hypo first coming, you know, coming in, man. It, it was tough. It was hard, you know, because you know coming in like. It, I mean, we it, we had a bad year the previous year, man, and uh, a lot of guys left, and you know we we didn't know what was going what going to happen. So, uh, man, Coach Hyper coming in, coming in, changing the culture uh, was huge, and just tr translating to the tempo offense was definitely tough. But man, once we got down, we was rocking and rolling. So, absolutely, and you, and you could almost see it like when it finally set in because I, I swear I tell everybody that like the Pittsburgh game last year, just watching the game, 
I feel like if that game was played two weeks later, it's a completely different result. Yeah. Uh, obviously, they got talent on that team. They had Pickett and all that. But I just, for me, being a fan, it, you know, short for fanatic, I just think it's if it's later in the season, it ain't. It's hey, that's T work, man. We we whooping them boys. But obviously, we talked about the difference in pace and different results uh, this last year. And specifically, we talked about the crowds and how it was a little eerie playing in front of such small crowds. But crowds are back. You guys are winning. I want to talk to you specifically about the atmosphere. Not not all the mustard and all that stuff but the what was the atmosphere like in that that night game when Ole Miss comes to Knoxville just what was the atmosphere like with you and is that the loudest that you've ever heard Neyland Stadium man uh, that game man uh, going into that game we got we knew it was gonna be a big game you know anytime Lane uh, Lane Kiffin coming back for the first time um, you know it's gonna be you know it's gonna be a crowd uh, oh yeah man I Fall Nations came they showed out for sure um Man, just the hype of that game was crazy, you know, and then the lead up, and then you got to the game, man. Like, in warm-ups, man, you can see it already feel. It was like, wow, like, this is about to be crazy. You know, they check and kneeling mm-hmm. and all that. Uh, man, playing in the game, dog, it was loud. It was, I could say it was probably the, loud, the loudest game, not probably the loudest game I played in in my career here. So um, it was huge, man. I'm, I mean, I'm, it's just so unfortunate that we didn't come out with the win. Uh, man, because nah, our fans deserved it, honestly. Uh, and um, I understand the the the, the deal that at the end, but man, I mean, it, we just have passionate fans, dog. Like, man, they, they 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 deserved that win, and uh, we should have gave it to them. So, no, nah, I mean that was such a great game, and there was it, we won't even get into the last part of it. But earlier in the game, there was a strip sack, you know, touchdown. Yeah, you know, things could have turned out so different, but for. I think that was one of the best games of the college football season. So, and it to me, even in the loss, it showed. I don't want to say Tennessee's back to where they were because I think we all know that's not happened yet. But yep. it showed that Tennessee's back and they're relevant. That, that this was a national game, numbers were huge. Everybody was talking about it way before that. I hate that that happened because it kind of marred what the game was about. Yeah. And you saw some Warriors, right? I mean, you see. Even on the other side, Matt Corral gets hurt. He still comes and does his thing. Hendo does his thing. Yeah, I mean, everybody, you guys, it was a well-oiled machine in, in both. I do want to say one thing, though. No, actually, two things. For one, we got to quit checker kneeling. The record when we checker kneeling is not very good. I've been there. It looks cool, <laughs> but I don't know. We got to go with it. And uh, number two, we got to really work on old Mrs. Hydration. You know, Jerome, we got to work on getting them some water. The crams be getting them, man. Yeah. Hey, hey, Randy, but hey, don't forget to tell him, look, so Lane Lane Kiffin threw out the first pitch at the Ole Miss Tennessee game. I was with there a golf ball. With a golf ball, trying to be funny. <laughs> hey, let me tell you, Tennessee had Ole Miss fans out the stadium by the fourth inning. That game went hey baseball 10-1. team had y'all's back. <laughs> they did, they did, man. They they had a man, they had a great year, man. Unbelievable year, man. They go, they're gonna keep rocking. So that was sure. great. For sure. You ever get out to watch any of the games in person? Yeah, I uh we went we went as a team to a couple games. I went by myself uh to a couple games. Uh man, they them boys were electric, man. They, That's a they, crazy they, atmosphere hey, for such a small stadium, isn't it? Yeah. We we've had basically the whole team on, so I'm gonna put you on the spot. I bet Randy even wants to know this. Who's your who's your favorite player to watch? <laughs> Baseball team. Um You know man. what his answer is gonna be. You Randy, you know what it's gonna be. <laughs> I gotta think it's Drew Gilbert just because he's so. If, if, if fired not, it's up. gotta be. If not, it's Lipscomb. It's gonna be one of your bombers, and it's gonna be one of your ones with the flare. Maybe so. Jordan Beck, and before he cut his hair, you know. I don't know. I was, I was about to say, man, I, uh, man, I gotta rock with Hancho. I gotta rock with Beck. Yeah, I gotta, there you go. yeah. He cut his hair though, Jerome. I don't know about this, man. You know, there's, a, there's, a, <laughs> there's, a, there's something in the Bible about cutting your hair and losing your power, but he's still hitting bombs, <laughs> so I guess it works. <laughs> so, you, Jerome, you play a little bit of everywhere, you know, inc- on the line, including center. What is yeah. your favorite position on the line to play? Um, I, I man, 
I don't really have a favorite. I get well, I guess I I can say I'm probably more comfortable at right guard because I played it. I played probably most started most of my games up there. But uh I mean I could play anything, honestly. Uh so it don't really matter. Okay. So obviously you said you mentioned it when everybody was leaving, it was on everybody's mind to leave. You elect to stay with your commitment, VFL. We know what all that means, you better than we, but this you elect to come back for a fifth year and compete again. Tell us what led you to that decision. Uh, man, um, man, our coaches, uh, coach, coach, uh, my O-line coach, coach Ellaby and coach Hypo, um, they came to, they came to me early in the season around South Carolina game last year. And it was like, man, like trying to put it in the back of my head. It was like, no, you know, you don't have to make a decision right now. Just, you know, just know, like, man, we would love to have you back. And, uh, you know, so use the COVID year. Cause it was my true, I, I was a true, I was a true senior. So I didn't at the time. So, um, luckily, man, the COVID year was uh, great for some guys, like especially me, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I ended up using it, man. Cause, uh, I feel like, uh, I feel like people were sleeping on me, honestly, coming out of last year. Um, and, uh, man, just the, the team in general, honestly, uh, sleeping on this. So, uh, and just the, with the guys coming back, you know, with Hendo, with said, you know, those guys like that, man, I, I love playing with those guys. So, uh, I just know we can, do something special this year so that's why i really decided to come back you mentioned the sleeping on it you know the coaches poll came out today jerome and a lot of <laughs> players say oh, i don't read that stuff but they don't have you on the top 25 jerome what yeah. i mean we got to show them what's up man yeah oh no doubt uh man uh i saw it uh but i mean it's cool man hey they they, they can put us wherever they want to put us man uh it's not about where we start man it's where we finish randy it's it's following that baseball formula remember hey they were anywhere between 19 and 25 on everybody's Facts. and they was number one real quick that's the greatest part about that for, for me as a fan the greatest part being in the sec that is if you handle business they have no choice but to put you there right so you guys are going to get all of that right so we've talked to a few football players on here jerome and and, and everybody kind of says the same thing a little coach speak you know our goal is to compete for national championships and Obviously, at Tennessee, it's no different. But specifically, what are you looking to accomplish your fifth year as a Vol? Uh, me personally, man. Uh, man, as an offensive line unit, man, we're trying to shoot for the Joe Moore. Um, that's, man, it's, it's on our mind the entire time, man. We, we got, like, graphic up in the room, man, just, just looking at it, man, just the visual. Because, man, we know it's attainable. We know we can accomplish it. So just going out there and getting it, just uh, helping this offense. Uh, you know, go from what we were seventh or eighth or something in the country, man, from from that to, you know, saying the top country, top offense in the country. So doing that, uh, me, honestly, uh, going personally, I guess uh, I want to get the all ACC, of course, and things like that. And, um, you know, have a chance to, uh, you know, get any other awards after that. But man, as a team, dog, we just worry about winning the East. Right? That's right. Man, we, we win the East, man, we can go, we can go to wherever we want to go. So, yeah, so a couple, two quick things, then I'm going to hand you over to Jim. The, the one thing is that today I was reading that Greg McElroy, he was talking about you guys, and he said that you guys could literally be an unstoppable offense. So, obviously, that carries some weight here in a guy, even though he went to Alabama. You know, he's a, he's a paid mm -hmm. analyst now. But the second thing is, I got to ask you this. You said you come back, you use your COVID year. Who committed to coming back first, you or Hendo? Um. Man, I, I would say me. Uh, we, I didn't. We didn't know what Hino was gonna do for a long time, um, and he probably already had in his mind what he was gonna do. He just didn't, just didn't want to tell us, I guess. Um, so you're saying Hendo came back because he knew you still had you protecting him. That's what I just heard. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I feel like I had, I had something to do with it. Uh, of course, said 
it said it had something to do with it as well. So, uh, man, uh, we're we're so glad to have five back there. So, man, we're great to have them. Me man, too. I, I'll tell you this about <laughs> Joe Moore Award, uh, Jerome. I was just uh, in Atlanta and went to the College Football Hall of Fame and got to see the the actual trophy. And when you think about a unit like you've talked about and you see the five guys on the trophy itself, like I think that's one of the coolest, if not the coolest trophy, because it just speaks to the volume of the team. And like you said, as a unit, as opposed to an individual accolade. So, yeah, I want to I don't I want to see you guys get that. That'd be cool. Yeah, that man, we man, we need it, man. We need to get it. But with all that said, now that we got the Tennessee stuff behind us, it's time to get to a game called this or that. You down to play? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Let's get it. All right, so the only rule in this game is you don't say neither or both. I'm going to give you two options. You pick one or the other. Be decisive. We might break into a few of them if, the, you know, you want to talk about them. And maybe if we disagree, we tend to because me, Daniel, and Randy don't agree with anybody's answers. Somebody's going to be different. So with that, let's start right to it. Randy wanted this question asked, black unis or traditional? <laughs> uh, I'm going to go traditional. But I'm you look so cold in that black and orange, man. Yeah, we, we do. Like, look man. what you're wearing right now, Jerome. The black. <laughs> yeah, hey, black does look good, man. We look good in that black and orange. Man, we really look we look good in the smoky gray and orange. Oh, that was but, my uh, favorite of all time. <laughs> so, uh, but now I'll go traditional, man. Ain't nothing like the orange and white. Yeah, Tennessee do got a nice set of uniforms across the board. There ain't no doubt about that. All right, so would you rather run block or pass block? Uh, man, me being an offensive lineman, I'm, I'm going to say run block for sure. Pancaking. Put them down. <laughs> All right. So would you rather have no company or bad company? Man, no company. Easy. No company. Can't that's, have bad that's, company. That's the right answer, but I don't believe you. You know you want the company. <laughs> no, I'm cool. I mean, I, I'm, I, can, I can do it. But I, I can be alone, man. I'm cool with that. I hear you. I hear you. All right, so would you rather go to any concert or any sporting event? I'm talking about any of them across the board. Sporting event, sporting event. All right, what's the sporting event? Got to know. Uh, I'm not going to say football. I will say, man, I'll say some basketball games. Man, basketball rings you rocking. See, Daniel, he said, I'm not going to say football, but he wouldn't know that he'd be the first football player that actually said football. Every football they all player. all said NBA Finals. Final, NBA Finals. Yeah. So you yeah. just followed the trend. You should have been different and actually <laughs> said the Super Bowl. I, I should have. I should have. But, man, no, nah, I, I feel like the Finals is something different. Look, look, Randy, the, the key is just going to be he's going to go to the national championship playing so he can say he went there regardless. <laughs> That's true. Jerome, I do got to ask you one follow-up question on that. You a Grizzly fan? Come on, dog. You know right. it. You know it. That's what's All up. Right, I got job. I got job behind me. Yeah, twelve. Yeah. No, I'm a, I'm actually a Russell Westbrook fan. I'm fronting with that painting behind me, but it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> so, would you rather see the future or change the past? See the future. See what the would, future. What would you want to see? What team you on? <laughs> man, uh, yeah, the Saints uniform. Man, definitely, yeah, man. See how the season would go, honestly, that too. So those two, for sure. No doubt, no doubt. All right, so this is a big question that's fun with the Tennessee baseball players. Let's see, kind of see how it goes with the Tennessee football player. Would you rather be the hero or the villain? Uh, Villain. Yeah. Hey, he's, yeah. hey, it's a Tennessee thing across the board, Randy. Yeah. All right. with, yeah. that, with that being said, who's your favorite villain? Like, comic book, movies, whatever. Uh, uh. 
I'm gonna have to go. Uh, I'm gonna have to go Joker. I'll say Joker. This, you can't go wrong with the answer. If he would have yeah. said Bane, because he's a big ass dude too. I, we all know it's, was, a, ba- it's a Batman Bane. villain for sure. Yeah, I was thinking Bane, but I was like, yeah, Joker for sure. All right. So last question. It's a key one. Would you rather have massive success by accident or modest success on purpose? And Randy, go ahead and rephrase it in your way. I like your way. All right, Jerome, let me ask you this. If I was to give you $100 million or you could earn $20 million, which one are you taking? Man, let me get 20. Let me get 20. I earned it. Okay, earned Jerome, it but that means that now I got $80 million more million than you. Hey. I I'm not I'm not really huge on the money thing, man. I'm I'm all about work, man. I, I earned twenty, man. I, hey, Hold that's up. a hard earned twenty. I'm proud of that. <laughs> Jerome, can I can I apply to be your agent in the NFL? <laughs> I, I just can I be that? That way, I'm gonna say, look, it's all good. You, you got paid, you know, a couple mil. I got a couple mil. We all good, baby. Let's yeah, ten percent out the window. Since he don't care much about money, yeah. we going 50 50 on this thing. I care about the money. We used to have a question of money or friends, and these are my homies, right? I, right amount of money, I'll let you. <laughs> no, I definitely feel you. I understand. You, you know what? You know what, Randy says. I, I got to do it because he's a big guy. I'm curious. You know, what, uh, one of the questions we retired, and yet this is the second time I'm asking it since we retired it. Would you rather do ten years in a coma or five years in prison? <laughs> that's a tough one, man. That's a tough one. Oh. But you can handle yourself. I feel like prison life ain't gonna scare you, man. But man, five years is a long time in prison. Ten years uh, a long time in a nap. I was like, yeah, ten years in a coma. Is, but you don't you even know. know. You sleep. Like, yeah, I was like, you wake up. It's like, man, the whole world has changed. You're gonna be in your thirties, though. I mean, life is gonna skip by. Man, just give me. I, I'll take the five years. There <laughs> you go. Five. Get that bench up while you're in there. You know what I'm <laughs> yeah, 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 get my uh, bench up for sure. <laughs> All right, Jerome, before you head out of here, man, anything you want to plug or promote? Man, um, I'll plug. uh, We got this thing called, um, we're working with the Players Lounge. It's like a little NFT thing called the Smoky Mountain Crew. I like to plug that, man. We got some of the guys. We got guys like Hendon, Cedric, uh, you know, Jabari Smalls, those type of guys, Cooper Mays as a part of it. And, um, uh, and, and some more, of course, about teammates, man. We got some uh, some some fun, exclusive things uh, going on with the fans, man. We would love for the fans to interact with us and join it, man. Uh, so I'll, I'll plug that. Man, how, how does one become a part of the Smoky Mountain crew? Uh, so uh, you there's a link for sure. Um, uh, you can also follow, uh, follow the Smoky Mountain crew on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and there's a link to join, man. And uh, you get exclusive uh, exclusive access to us, honestly, um, and special things throughout the season, um, you know, with, with the membership. So uh, it's going to be exciting. Uh, you know, we got Josh Dobbs running it. So, uh, you know, we get to even do things with Josh Dobbs. So I think that's Astro be great. Dobbs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, Jerome, man. It, it, it seems like you, you got some big things in line. Y'all, I urge you, go to Smoky Mountain Crew. Check them out on Instagram. Check out, you know, at Jerome Carvin on Instagram. Got a, got a lot of good stuff on there, man. I was checking it out. Got Twitter, <laughs> yeah. got, got your socials on point, man. But more importantly, Thursday night, September 1st, it, it, it's all going down. Ball State is coming to Knoxville. And I, I think I'm going to feel real sorry for Ball State. It, it's, it's not going to be a good night for them. So 
at it's seven <laughs> yeah at, at seven p.m on sec network it, it's going down jerome man we wish you the best of luck if there's anything we could do for you along the way please reach out to us and let us know no doubt man thank y'all for having me on you got it man that's jerome carvin everybody we're gonna take a break we're gonna pay some bills so we can plug these sponsors when we come back we're gonna talk headlines have you struggled with weight loss pain management maybe you just lack an energy I struggled with all these things, and then I got introduced to Truvy, an official sponsor of In Off the Bench. If you download the Truvy app, T-R-U-V-Y, and use the official In Off the Bench code, Easy Money, you can save money and get hooked up today and get your life turned around. Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Q is your guy. Quintavious Burdett, who was once a guest of In Off the Bench, and Ole Miss alumni, who is with REMAX, is the guy who will help you get your home he is the guy who just helped me get my home. I just closed on my house a few weeks ago in the South Haven area, and Quintavious is the one who set the whole thing up. He is the man. He is one of the top, if not the top, realtor in the Mid-South area. You can get a hold of him at 662-292-7136 for all your real estate needs. Welcome back to the In Off the Bench podcast. We got some headlines for you. Leading off, we're going to do some MLB talk. We got the Cardinals. Man, they're, they are a different team. All of a sudden, they sweep the Yanks, and here they are finding themselves two games up in the division. You know, Randy, I'll start with you. You had um, high hopes for these guys. They're starting to figure it out. Um, I don't know if I'm more, you know, if I'm in a better position with them leading the division or if they're a couple games back having to chase, you know, um, leading into this last, you know, third of the season. Yeah, I, I thought what, the like I said earlier in the group chat, the, the, the litmus test for me, obviously, went out nine out of ten, seven in a row, sweeping the Yankees at home is so huge. It's how they're going to respond to this because now you're going on the road to Colorado to play a team that you should win the series. And to me, this is going to be where it is. I think what you saw a lot of is glimpses of what we thought we'd see. You saw the normal guys like Arenado and Goldschmidt. They're going to do their thing, right? Uh, we saw pitching. You got some newcomers. Jordan Montgomery pitched really well on Saturday. And then what really stood out to me, you guys know I'm, I've long been a Paul DeYoung uh, fanatic. I'm an apologist for the guy. Uh, and he played great. He had huge moments in multiple games, played great defensively, did his thing. Um, but what really stood out to me is just looking back that on how long he's been in Memphis and just the way that he's handled it. And to see a guy like that who, you know, we forget he's still a young guy to handle it with the class and grace that he did a, a much better guy than I am for sure. But to see that moment all weekend long was great. Yeah, absolutely. I know Jim, you were given kind of a play by play of what was going on throughout the game. So from your vantage point, is this the best that you've seen St. Louis play? And I mean, not, not necessarily just, those games against the Yankees, but like here as of late. Yeah. So they're on a seven game win streak. And one of the things that Randy talks about is losing to bad teams. Right. And I think that's to start with, because before you sweep the Yankees, you sweep the Cubs. And that's a series where traditionally the Cardinals will let you down. And so I think that speaks volumes. And they even two of those games, they had to come back and come back late. So it, it speaks volumes to where this team's at. I did want to make a note on the DeYoung thing because Randy talked about it. Both times they showed – both games where he put the go-ahead, Randy, and they showed him in the dugout, 
he wasn't even smiling. You could tell he's got that chip on his shoulder. I think little did the Cardinals know keeping him in triple A longer might have been the best thing he could ever done because that dude's playing with a little bit of the chip and he had some good defensive plays over the weekend too. Absolutely. Um but no, uh that to sweep the Cubs, to sweep the Yankees, which you know, people under the radar, like it, they've the Cardinals have never done that before. And then I seen a stat earlier that they're only the third or fourth, I can't remember, third or fourth team in interleague play in history to sweep the Yankees. So it's not like like even if the Yankees have been kind of up and down, it's something that isn't done. So it's something for the Cardinals to be proud of, for the Yankees to come in their house and and them to take care of business. But um, I think the note that would be taken also, Randy was talking about the pitchers and, you know, we talk about the hitters. Um, it's been a whole collective team effort, right? Like uh, me and Randy talk about how Newt Bar is, a, uh, you know, a fan favorite. He's, you know, chipping in. Obviously, you got Goldsmith and Arnado playing out of their mound. You got Edmund. I mean, it just goes – Carlson's been great. It's it's everybody chipping in. And if you can continue to get that, Daniel, because I know how you know baseball, you can have a couple stars. You know, we joke about it all the time with the Angels, but if you have a collective nine guys out there getting it done, there's somebody that you don't want to play. To touch yeah. on something you said is this Cardinals team is that they don't ever have, I guess, like the, you know, the Mike Trout or the Shohei Otani where it's not going to be this. We have Nolan, who we all agree is fantastic, but it's just a collect when they're their best and they're winning World Series and competing for World Series. It is a collective group of guys that you have leaders, you know, like Arenado, Wayno, Yachty, all those guys. And you got to think, too, this isn't a pick on your boy, but we haven't even seen Tyler O'Neill stay hot state well he, well, he was been. he was key in that cubs game the he was no, no, absolutely. Yes, yesterday it was funny did you see when the graphic came up during the game and everybody had a hit and had scored in the game but tyler he had an empty blank box next yeah to him. and then he finally i so i what i'm saying is i think that this team is as good as they played the last 10 games there's still room for improvement because you got guys like tyler o'neill that we know is capable of staying hot and or getting hot and staying hot so i think that this is just the beginning. And to touch on something you said, Daniel, I would much rather than be ahead of the Brewers because I just feel like if they're close, we do not in the in the past four to five years in a three-game series where, like, we're up two games, those are the ones the Brewers tend to beat us in those series. Yeah, I mean, when you look at, you know, obviously, you know, coming off a sweep of the Yankees, that's fun. That's, that's big. It's a good sign. But I would say an even better sign is how they play in the next month of baseball. Well, specifically because they got the Brewers coming up this well, week. Well, but but here's the thing. You know, I, I looked more deep into it from here for the next month of their seat of their schedule and you know the back half um you know to, to end end the season. They've got, you know, in the next month, they've got 27 games against teams with losing records. They got six games. They got, yeah, they got six games, three against the Brewers, three against the Braves in the next month. Everyone else is uh, a mixture of the Cubs, the Diamondbacks, the Rockies, the Reds. Um, it, it's theirs to play well and theirs to take. They do have a gauntlet towards the middle of September where it's three games with the Padres, three with the Dodgers, two more with the Brewers. But then they close out the season with six games um, at Pittsburgh. So, well, and you, since when, I was going to say – when you look at it, though, when you look at it, like, this is exactly the schedule like any other team would be like, this is how I want to end my season. I got, a, you know, about a nine to ten game of challenges that I can really hone in. But hopefully if we take care of business, those games really won't matter as much. 
And, and let me tell you, in those series that you mentioned, Daniel, between the Cardinals and the Brewers, depending on where they're standing, because you brought up the Padres and Phillies, those one of those teams is going to be on the outside looking in now, now that the the Phillies have gotten hot. And I'm not trying to leave talking about the Cardinals, but those series down the stretch are going to be something serious because you somebody there's going to be a team. There's enough good teams now that there's going to be a team that might be wild card worthy that's not going to be in there and one more note before we do leave the cardinals you know shout out to yachty little i'm a little upset about memphis still didn't get the autograph but 1000 hits in bush stadium most by cardinal way to get it done pretty pretty legit but um talking about legit um are the mets legit randy they they just came off a sweep of the braves the braves were making their way up gaining ground but then you know this right here kind of like puts a dagger and all that puts them six and a half back of the Mets are you a believer in the Mets I am a believer and they're actually seven games ahead now because they won tonight against the Reds and it's not just what they've done against the Braves I mean they have they played the Yankees and they beat them in a series and I'm looking at their stats they're in the top five in every pitching they're an ERA, top five in quality starts, top five in whip. They're top five in batting average against. And then you go over to the offensive category. They're third in runs scored, fourth in batting average, third in OBP, and they're 10th in swing, slugging percentage. So I think you just see a balanced team. And to add where the rich get richer is now you get DeGrom back. And we all know that in a short series, you need an ace like Jacob DeGrom. So, yeah, I think this team is legit. Whoa. They're deep. They can hit for power. They got arms. And that's the question I wanted to ask you with him being back now, when you got Scherzer and DeGrom and then you obviously got Diaz on the back end closing the door. I mean, do they have the best one-two punch and do they maybe possibly arguably – obviously there's a lot of cases for closers, but when you mix it all together, I mean, the best one-two punch with a closer. Yeah, because I think when you think about what we've seen in the last 20 years, when you go into the playoffs, like, like you talked about the one-two punch, almost all of them have had that. Now, sometimes it's been Max Scherzer, right? Never been DeGrom yet, but – when you have a, a – but yes, that pitching staff, when you have those two guys on a short series, give me that all day over anybody. Yeah, it's – um, you know, their differential is plus 111. It's not the highest in Major League Baseball, but it's in the top five. But when you look at just, you know, like you said, Randy, their overall stats, for the most part, they're in the top five of every category. Like – that to me is a better indication of long-term success and how you can go into the playoffs and be a contender as opposed to a win, a win loss record. And plus uh, one player on the offensive side of the ball, that's just been killing it is Alonzo and everybody's known for his home runs. But what he's done this year is his average is way up. The dude's got, he's batting 281, 95 RBIs. I think he's got what 20, 29 hey, home runs. On the I mean, episode you the episode you missed, Daniel ain't sleeping on him. Daniel had him in his top five for the MVP. Yeah, I I I had him there just based on trajectory, based on previous seasons, and and really based on the fact that they actually have something to play for right now. Um what about the Phillies, guys? I mean, are we are we taking them? I mean won nine of last 10, like, and obviously have put themselves, like I said, in that wild card race, like they're you finding know, a way. What, what worries me again about teams like that, that make strong runs is they could also easily make, lose it just as fast. So I'm not quite sold on the Phillies. 
but they are playing good baseball as of late. I think you're referring to a team that actually just did that. The Mariners did that. <laughs> Absolutely. But it was also do remember, like, before this little push that they've had, and they have been playing great, they did get swept by the Cubs. So if you can get swept by the Cubs, I mean, I, don't, I just don't right. know. We can't, that take you just, we can't take you seriously? <laughs> that was just a week and a half ago, you know what I mean? So I don't, I don't know. Then they did. They beat the Braves, and then they got a four, had a four-game stretch against the Pirates. They're terrible. I mean, then they had the two-game, the split with uh, Atlanta, and then they beat up on the Nationals, who had just lost – Juan Soto and I, I mean we all. I mean know I haven't I haven't looked. Is in regards to them, is Bryce Harper coming back this year? That's the million dollar question, and I don't think anybody has the answer to it. I think he's supposed to come back this because year. that that's that's a key. Obvious. I, don't, I mean I don't think I got to say how pivotal that is. If they do make a wild card and he is back, that's obviously somebody in the lineup that changes the game. And and then and what they got that nobody really talked about in the news was they made a little trade too for one Noah Syndergaard. Give me that. Never dude. heard of him. Yeah. Thor. Give me, give me Thor if I got to play in a wild card game and win one game. Oh, yeah. Give me that guy. Yeah. And they are hot. And like I said, a couple guys, you know, added to their roster, experienced guys, guys that, you know, Bryce Harper's won a title. Like, that's nothing to, to bat an eye at. And he's one of the best hitters in baseball over the past, you know, five, six seasons. So it's, it's you get a guy like Syndergaard with potential that could be, you might have something cooking there, but um, I, I still don't think regardless of who does what, who plays well, like the Dodgers are really just running rough shot through this thing. And I, I, I hate to say it, but I don't think there's a team better than them right now. But there, how many times have they been the best team and they still didn't get it done? That's the, the, Them and the Yankees summer now, they've gotten it done more recently than the Yankees, obviously. Um, but the but Dodgers have been notorious for having that huge payroll and still coming up short. But the, the same could be said for most playoff teams. How many, how many teams have won back-to-back titles? They, I, you're right, but I'm, I'm talking about in just regards to that payroll and the team that they have. That, I mean, on paper, before you even look at their record, they should be the best team and should be winning. But, I mean, couldn't you say the same thing for the Houston Astros? Yeah. Well, they're, they, they are. are they, are, they are. <laughs> they are. You know, but, so. DB, but we I, were talking about those stats for the Mets, right, and how they're top five. Looking at the Dodgers, uh, they're top three in every category on both sides of the ball. Um, second in runs. Third in batting average, first in OBP, first in slugging percentage, first in ERA, first in WHIP, second in batting average against. I mean, that's that's legit. And I think what makes them different so far, and what you've seen this year, so the Yankees have had, even though they have a ridiculous record, have had some slumps. Houston, even though they have a ridiculous record, have had some slumps. The Dodgers have yet to have that lull at any point. They've just had foot on the gas the whole time. I mean, and all that talk about Freddie Freeman is not happy playing in LA, and I, you know, dude's just batting three twenty four and eighty RBI. No big deal. Yeah, yeah. So unhappy. 15, 15 and a half game lead, by the way, on the Padres, and the Padres are in the wild card. <laughs> nah, nine and one of their last ten, one eight in a row, hitting over three hundred. They've got a fifteen and a half game lead, best team in baseball. I'm saying they lose in the first in the first playoff series. Calling it. Not happening. Not that. Don't even yeah, have a plan yet. They usually do wait till the NLCS to choke it away. Yeah. All right, guys. Let's uh let's move on. NFL caught. Uh, Randy, I'll start with you. Deshaun Watson. We've held off on talking about this whole thing. Um, there's a lot that's out there, a lot that's still yet to be determined. 
Um, but I, I just want to get your take on what we know and, and where it's been and, and kind of where we're at right now and what you think may happen. So um, first of all, I want to start with this, the process, right? So, and this is all in the collective bargaining, bargaining agreement, the NFL, the NFLPA agreed to this on the uh, independent arbitrator, if you will. So, you know, the NFL wants a year. They haven't made any bones about that. They want him to be suspended a year, even after he didn't get to play last year. Um, but they, they sent it out to an independent arbitrator. They investigate. They come back with their findings, which they were hired. It was a joint venture, NFL and NFLPA. They come back, say, six games. Now, the optics of this are the NFLPA says before the ruling is ever, whatever the suspension is, we're going to accept the decision and not appeal. The NFL would not make that same agreement. So we should have known then, right? They're going to appeal it. So then they do appeal it. And then I start reading on what that process is. At the end of the day, the appeals process goes back to Roger Goodell, who wants a year. So now they've went and hired another independent investigator who specializes in this sexual assault situation. It's a bad look for the NFL. If you're going to hire an independent arbitrator and they come back with their ruling, even if it doesn't favor what you want, you hire them. That's, that's the process. But it's, so the, me, it's, the, it's a it's witch the, hunt. But it was, is the verbiage in the, the writing because it was non um, assault. Uh, you know, how to, what, what am I looking for? Uh, uh, it didn't have physical assault in it. Therefore, it was only considered – it was deemed only worth the six games as opposed to a year because uh, like, because they compared it to, like, the Ray Rice and whatever situation because, because there wasn't an assault with it. Which, Randy, which is ridiculous to com- – I know you're not comparing it to that, but the, the precedent now is there is there is no precedent because every time there's been a ruling from an independent arbitrator, the NFL has accepted it and they've gone on with it. But this one didn't go their way, so but, now they're going to appeal it. And yeah, and that's what that's what I'm saying. Like, I think they thought it was gonna go the other way, but the independent ruler said it was because of the word, the very words that they used in it, and they went based off of previous cases. And because there wasn't assault with it, like I'm trying to think of these where I hate that I'm blowing it, but anyway, because of that, they said it wasn't deemed worthy of a year. So does let me let me backtrack. So did he have to sit out games last season, or could he have? theoretically played so i think at first there was some thought that he could have reported but i don't think the nfl was ever going to let him but they never but they never did tell him he couldn't play to no they did not question i think they would have officially i don't think that i don't know i don't know if the texans were going to let him even though the texans needed anything no no no, i i just don't i was just curious to know like was that a choice that he was forced to make or is that a choice where he was like you know this is a distraction i'm going to pull myself out until we figure this out or maybe he was uh, like, the Texans suck. I want out of here. That's part of it. That, that, I'd be in hiding, period. So Lawyer's the only person I'm talking to. <laughs> my, my next question then is, Randy, is this, uh, this next appeals process, is he eligible to play? Yeah. I mean, I would think that – what I think they're going to make the ruling come down before the season starts, though. Gotcha. So this isn't something that's going to be a lengthy thing. And I guess he's still practicing, maybe not yep. necessarily taking first team reps as much as he was, but. I mean, yeah. I, Cause they're trying to get Brissett worked in. And as a Colts fan, I've seen that Brissett story, Cleveland, you don't want that. Well, I mean, that that's kind of brings up, you know, and I'll, I'll skip, you know, Debo for right now. and We'll go to Kareem hunt that 
that might be personally why he's asking to get out, Jim. No, I think he's asking to get out because I think Hunt wants to be the number one back. And with the Chubb situation, especially if you have quarterback issues like they're looking like they're going to have, um, it's going to be run heavy and it's going to be Chubb first. And, because Hunt's stats, you know, because we play fantasy, a lot of his comes off receiving. But Hunt can be in every down back. And I think there are places that he can go where he can do that. And so I think that has to do with it as much as Cleveland possibly going to suck. But Randy, isn't this a strange, isn't the timing strange for him to come out now and say, shouldn't this have been something where I don't think it is, you know, a secret like Chubb's probably going to be their, their more utilized back. But why now? I think at the end of the day is that you hear the stats that an average running back, their lifespan is three and a half years. And to Jim's point, he wants to be a feature back to get paid. I mean, it's all about that next contract to get, you know, your generational wealth. But, yeah, I agree. The timing is terrible. You should have done this in the offseason. But I think maybe he went through training camp and he's looking over at Nick Chubb saying, damn, that dude's a lot better than me. Let me add it. I've seen dudes weightlifting videos. Damn, Nick Chubb. We, we, we sitting there asking Jerome about lifting. Man, Nick Chubb had like 1,200 pounds there squatting. God bless. You saying that Nick Chubb could probably like outbench Jerome Carvin? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm saying he could squat a car, man. No doubt. So, Jim, in the event that he leaves, I, I don't think they're going to let him go. But in the event that he leaves, where, where is potential destination? All right. So here's the crazy scenario I'm gonna give you. This isn't real, but I'm being funny. It's, I wanted to say the same. Here, here comes here comes the Saints. He's going no, it's not the Saints. Saints. No, this is funnier than that. So Christian McCaffrey's gonna get hurt like he always does, and he's gonna end up in Carolina with Baker Mayfield. <laughs> That's what's gonna happen. No, um, um, thinking about teams who need it every down back. Pull me up the teams real quick. Put me on the spot. I'm trying to think who would need an every down back. Somewhere where he could be the feature. Um, I don't, I'm looking at the list. I don't know because a lot of – if they do need one, it's teams that suck, and he's trying to get out of the a place that sucks. Uh, I don't know. What's Seattle look like, even though they're going to say, what do they look like without Carson now, Randy? Who's their back? Bad. They even got one. Yeah, I mean, he could go to he could go to Seattle, but I mean, Rams, Cardinals, Denver. The, I mean, they all got one. So I don't, Daniel. I don't know that there is a destination where he's not going to be splitting carries no matter what. So that might speak to your point. They may hold on to him. There might not be um, that spot if there is. Like I said, it's a team that's going to be as bad as the Browns. Um, so, yeah, I. Like I said, I don't, I don't know of the, the team. The Falcons, the Falcons have been using a receiver running back for a while now. Free quarter rail. Yeah, but don't you think, like, does does is he have any say if the Browns were like, all right, we're going to let you go, does he have any say? Well, where he goes. Kareem Hunt has shown with his attitude over history that I think he's saying a guy, if he doesn't get what he wants, he'd sit out. Randy, do you agree with that? Hundred percent. I think most running backs would. They're well, like a well, new but, wide receiver. But he he's the I don't give a fuck kind of guy. So we we will surely find out. You know who's not I don't give a fuck. Well, he might be an I don't give a fuck kind of guy now. He's got mega money, Debo. 
Randy, what, how are you feeling about Debo getting paid? Getting he deserves paid. it. I mean, puts him in the top 10, gets all that money guaranteed. Absolutely deserved it. Where are the 49ers last year? They don't make it in the playoffs without Debo. Don't win a playoff game without Debo. I mean, he played everywhere on the field. Absolutely worth the money. Is he a top seven receiver? I don't know if I'm willing to say that, but, but he deserves the money. But the question is, and I'm glad you said that, Randy, because we, we've discussed this before. He's not just a receiver. My question for you now is because we know what he can do when they line him up in the backfield. But now that they've paid him that money, he has made known that he doesn't want to be a running back. He wants to be a receiver. Do they care? Will they still line him up back there? Or will he start now, especially now that they get in that contract, will they put him at receiver? I think that Shanahan, they had to have the conversation, right? The front office and Shanahan, they had to have the conversation with Debo, and this is what we're going to use you as. So I think we'll see him there in some gimmick stuff, but not as much as we have for sure. I think the 49ers are going a different direction, and they had to have Debo be that dynamic playmaker. And they feel like, I think they're wrong, but I, they feel like Trey Lance can do that. I'm still trying to figure out, and Daniel knows this, I had Debo Samuel, Justin Jefferson, and uh, uh, Stephon Diggs all in the same fantasy you team and lost. You didn't have Jamar Chase, though. I got I got beat by Daniel. It was Jamar Chase and Travis Kelsey alone. Yep. Big time. Both went off for a 50 spot each. Big big time ballers. That might be my new fantasy yeah, team. Daniel, let me ask you, though. With Lance being the quarterback, do you think that, like, you don't have a choice but to use some of that gimmick package a lot and having Debo back there? Yeah, I mean, that's uh, – I think that's part of their MO is is to use him in that way. Um, I'm not going to say that, like, that's not successful or long-term success because that's exactly how they beat Dallas last year was using him and – in unorthodox, you know, formations and situation, basically as a, a modified running back. Well, we didn't. Um, we, we can't see him in person, but every commentator I've heard, like you know, we love Romo. Romo. Romo said he was dead on the field with him, and he said the dude had legs like a running back. Oh, I'm sure he does. I mean, it. It's it's not that. It's it's. At what point do they do other teams start figuring this out? True. And then, then it becomes okay. Are we gonna, just going to line him up as a traditional receiver, and see what happens? That's my my thing with him is you know Randy said he's not ready to commit to him being in in, in the top ten or seven, um, but I think for that reason, like I, I would agree with that because is he a traditional receiver like those other guys are that are in that top you know echelon? <laughs> Well, and and so let's ask this, Randy, because I know you know more about Lance than me. Like, do you believe in Lance to be no. a legit? You don't. No, no, I don't understand. I asked me. I asked because because yeah, no, I know where you're going. We'll I'll let you get your Jimmy G run on. But like, that's my thing. If if we don't know if he's a top ten receiver, can we believe he's a top ten receiver if he doesn't have a good quarterback? And that's that's the thing. I, no, completely agree. I don't understand throwing away a proven winner and a veteran to go with the young, sexy pick when you really could have, I guess if you, because Jimmy G's not old. That's kind of my whole thing. If you feel like you've reached the ceiling with him, you got to move one of them to get assets back to build the team around whoever you keep. But, I, you know, hey, look. I've watched, I I watched dude do nothing but win, man. Like, I don't get that's it. That's it. That's it. Give me Jimmy G all day. But, you know, but Trey Lance is going to have his opportunity to prove it this year. I just think 
that right now they're trying to play both sides of the fence. Okay, we're going to go with Trey Lance, but we're keeping Jimmy G. They got to pay Jimmy G $25 million to sit on the sidelines and hold a clipboard? Come on, man. He's better than that. Uh, I mean, if I'm Jimmy G, I'd be like, all right, cool. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of women that are going to be excited yeah. that he's going to have his helmet off all game, though. Yeah, th that's facts. He'd be like, you know, I'm good at this. I've done this a time or two before. I can sit right here and make that money holding this clip. <laughs> Tom, watching Tom Brady is a whole different story than watching Trey Lance. Agreed. Big facts. Uh, I'd be a little bitter if I was sitting on the sideline. That 25 mil would help ease my, my pain a little bit, but I'd still be a little bitter. I think Randy would be okay with it, 25 mil to sit on the sideline. Absolutely. Helmet Speak off, helmet on, whatever. <laughs> Speaking of making money and sitting on a sideline, <laughs> Michael Thomas. and, and I like how you worded this in the notes. Michael Thomas, full participant in 11 on 11 drills. He looks 100%. That's because, no, he has not participated in almost two years in 11 on 11 drills. That, and who that, and whose choice was that? His. But what I'm saying is that means that we actually are going to see Michael Thomas play football this year. And, he, and by all accounts from people who are there – they say he looks absolutely 100%. My favorite part was, and and look, as much as whether y'all, I think y'all both are believers in Michael Thomas, um, it's just about him playing. There's people that they're watching him on the seven-on-seven seven drills, you know, catch all these amazing catches, and they're like, let me see him do it over a DB. And I'm like, dude led the league in receptions. Like, what the hell are we talking about here? Michael Thomas, y'all, as much as y'all bag on Taysom, average eight receptions a game with Taysom at the helm. Let's not act like Michael Thomas can't do this. That's well, true. He can run a slant with the best of them. Uh, yeah. Boom, 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 boom. Hey, but so, hey, you know we huh, we talked about that. All jokes aside, Randy. As much as that, I love to joke on that just as much as anybody. The thing was, that's what the Taysom games showed. He was hitting Taysom was hitting them on all sorts of different stuff, and that actually exposed that Drew Brees just couldn't throw the ball downfield. True. So that's, that brings up a good point. In these eleven on elevens that Michael Thomas is just killing everybody in who's throwing him the football james winston james winston we he don't is even, the starter. We, we don't even gotta have that talk this year it's and i'm okay with it because when you look at all the weapons that the saints have acquired and if you add Taysom back as a swiss army knife like i think even you guys as much as y'all like to bag on saints have to respect that offense because they got weapons everywhere i've been on this since he went to the saints i think james is is a really good quarterback i just think he's had some he's done some dumb shit but honest to god i think he's going to be top 10 and mvp this year well, well think about this randy so uh olivier or however you say his name um and then if thomas comes back and then you got landry you got traquan you got Kamara in the backfield you got Taysom as the swiss army ninth he's obviously got a great offensive line tell me i mean not you just said no. that, but tell me the offense can't be top five Absolutely. I think the one, the, the wrench is, are we going to, that's, nobody's been talking about the Camara suspension. Is that still going to happen? Is it not going to happen? I mean, we had this dude on video, you know, punching a dude a bunch of times, kicking him, whatever, whatever. So I don't, I would heart, I don't think they're going to let him off with no suspension. That could be the wrench that I throw in it, but they got a lot of weapons to your point. I mean, you're getting a all pro receiver back that you didn't have. And Jameis Winston's coming back healthy. I think this is, if, if they should full, compete. I'll put you on the spot, Randy, because you just said something about Debo. If he's fully healthy, fully healthy, is he still a top 10 wide receiver? 
Michael Thomas? Yeah. Absolutely. I agree. Daniel? Yeah, I mean, it's... You drafted him in fantasy, Daniel, in the second round? That's all I'm asking. Uh, no. Alongside Jamar Chase? No? Jamar, Jamar Chase? No, I didn't say first round. I'm saying your second round. You come around your second pick, you stacking receivers, you're going to put them Thomas and, and Chase? Nope. Mm. I wouldn't Kel- either just because Tra- you can, Travis I think you can get Kelsey. him later. Well, well, here's the thing, Randy. He's also the same guy who would, wouldn't take Jonathan Taylor with his first pick. So, I mean, we, we trust in his opinion. Hell, hell no. That's ridiculous. I can't wait. I hope I hope that God Daniel has the first pick and I have the second pick and he takes Chase so I can have Jonathan Taylor. Oh, it's going to be beautiful. Defend The defending champ with the first pick in the fantasy league draft. I select Jamar Chase. Thank you. Two-time champ. No. That happens, two-time champ. No. Just wait for it. All right, All alternate uniforms. Obviously, we got some color schemes. We got some fly-ass helmets. So, Jim, start with you. Who's Who's got the best helmets? Uh, I'm going to get caught with some some bias here. Them the Bengals. Them Bengals, white, white. And the thing is, Daniel, I know you have to like them because they're, they're basically – the Memphis Tigers, Memphis white, Tigers. Helmet, yep. white helmet exactly but I I put it in the notes because Josh Allen coming out in that red helmet with that red visor went so damn hard but even like the Jets new ones like I mean hey I, I like what they're doing I mean especially you know I, li- I like the flash but even like a team like the Jets hey man if you're gonna lose at least look good right <laughs> But the, to, the, to the Josh Allen thing, they, they came out immediately after and said that is not going to happen. They will not have red helmets. And they said to direct all comments to Josh Allen. And then Josh Allen responded to the Bills' official account and said that he apologizes to absolutely fucking nobody. Look, what? okay, I didn't know about that, but why wouldn't they do it? Because they are those teams. They showed there's, there's like eight teams that have a new set of alternates. Why, why not? The, the red goes hard. Why won't the Bills do it? They just said they're gonna. They will have white helmets as customary. Oh, that's they, they are are playing that game. The Bills Mafia is. is I no longer pick them to win the Super Bowl. They because they dumped the red helmets. Daniel, I have a. Uh, I got a. Found this site earlier after I saw the notes. It's from July 26, twenty twenty two. It is oh. ranking the best alternate uniforms. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna start at number one. The New England Patriots throwback, and it's the red with the white with the the Patriot with the hike in the football, right? They, they okay, they're good, they're good. Number right. two is the Cincinnati Bengals, the white and the black. It does go hard. Number three, which I think is not, I don't understand it. Dallas Cowboys throwback. It's just it's just white with the blue star. I don't, I mean, what, what are we looking at here? It's silly. If if there's anyone that knows anything about Dallas, the last time they had an alternate looking uniform, they were like navy jerseys with gray stars before you continue before you continue your list randy i got a question and 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 the rest have been like traditional just straight up like they will be the cowboys are one of the teams that has the alternate they're gonna have a white helmet with the blue star it was their thanksgiving day uniform from 04 to 2012 Randy, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question because I think is that an alternate uniform? I feel like that's not even creative. They're like, hey, I know what we should do. It's classic. We should bring back a uniform we already created. Nobody will ever know. So we've had this talk, Randy, numerous times, whether it's college, pro, football, baseball, whatever. 
when a uniform wins. And, and I asked because it may fix to become up on the list. It may not. I know it was ranked number one amongst color rush uniforms for the Saints. Um, I talk, remember I read that stat off to you last year, and I was so pissed when they didn't wear them in the playoffs because the Saints are something like 17 and four when they wear their white color rush uniform. Why wouldn't you wear them bitches every week? They're clean. They're clean. They're clean. To recap, but no, though. But no, but I'm saying, Randy, I, the question wasn't were they clean. If you had a uniform that, like, you just want to, like, so the Vols, like, the, let's say let's say they were undefeated in black, like, and you got – and you're looking at your schedule. Which they gotta, are. Right. If, if you got a must-win game, like, we going black, right? Like, is it even a decision? We got to go black. I'm No, I'm with you, 100%. And the, but the Vols were the opposite with the charcoal gray in football. They never won a game, so I'm glad they retired. <laughs> I love the way they looked. Hated the result. All right, continue. All right. My bad. But to recap, we got number one, the Patriots, number two, the Bengals, number three, the Cowboys. Number four, the Atlanta Falcons throwback. You know, it's the black with the red. I don't really think that's – I don't understand it. Number five makes even less sense. It's the New York Giants, which their throwback looks exactly like their regular ones they wear now. <laughs> the Houston Texans, that one actually is clean. It's like a cherry red with the Texans logo. It looks really w- – wouldn't, nice. th- wouldn't their throwback be the Oilers? What are we talking about? It, it would be, but I guess that's the Titans. I mean, we hate the Titans, so it doesn't matter. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals alternate, and it does go hard. The black with the red Cardinal looks really, really they, good. They're one of the ones with the new fresh helmets, too. They are. The Carolina yeah. Panthers alternate. It, it goes hard. Yeah. Number Panthers. nine is the New Orleans Saints with the black helmet that can pair with any of their jerseys. Hold on. Before you continue, because Daniel was going to say something, the, Daniel and me, uh, or Daniel's mom and me had a conversation. She thinks the Carolina blue is the best color in all sports. I don't want to disagree with Mama Bob, but I don't agree. That's what she told me when she was rocking that D'Angelo jersey. Why are you looking at me crazy, Daniel? She said it to me. Oh, she does. She, I, she, I bet she is a big D'Angelo fan. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. She's also a Bears fan. She might be conflicted. We love Mama Bob, but there is some conflict there. Yeah. Well, number 10. <laughs> Look, he, 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 he passed yeah. on it. Number 10 is the Philadelphia Eagles alternate, the black with the white. You know, eagle wings looks pretty good. The Jets, to what Jim said earlier, that actually goes really hard because it's like a black with a neon green. It looks pretty good. Number 12 is the Chicago Bears, the all orange with the orange helmets, orange jerseys, and white pants. I'm digging it. This one I actually hate so much. It's the Washington Commanders. First of all, the Commanders can't have a throwback because that's never been a team. It's just all black, and it's got, it says Commanders right across the, the left side of their jersey. And that completes the ranking list, and I think whoever wrote this should be fired. <laughs> Especially with the Cowboys at three. I mean, yeah, and I, the Patriots go pretty hard. I think the Bengals, if I'm from these eight, it's between the Bengals and the Cardinals because that black and red does go hard. But that white and orange and black is, is fresh. Hey, and Daniel, I appreciate your mom because the only sport my mom watches is NASCAR, and I don't even know if that's a sport. I'm not trying to hurt anybody. I don't think we got any NASCAR listeners. Anytime so I think I, that you I think can, I'm a duck. Anytime you're in a car and you got to pee on yourself, I don't know if it's a sport. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the hardest thing that they do is turning left. <laughs> Look, if we have Maybe any it's li- putting that catheter in before every race. <laughs> Rand- Maybe. Randy, Randy, if we got any listeners, so be it. But I remember when me and Daniel were having a conversation at one point, we're like, uh, and you've been in on these group texts, but there was one specific we were talking about what have we had not had yet, and then we were talking about what we wouldn't have, and we both like NASCAR came up. It was like we'll never have NASCAR. Won't Nancy happen. is very upset with us. <laughs> never. You're t- hey, let me ask you guys. Uh, like people are listening to us right now. We have like the biggest up and coming driver. He wants he wants people to know who he is. He wants to come on in off the bench. Were you going to literally say no? 
No, look, we can bring Bubba Wallace on because he's pretty funny, and he's a Tennessee Vol. Come on, Bubba. <laughs> hey, it, we can get us, uh, you know, that uh, hey, Danica Patrick. Yeah. <laughs> we could we can have us. You a, don't a, want Olivia, a Olivia. What's her name? You, we ain't getting Dan. Whoa, whoa, no, hold on. We got we got to go with a note, Randy. Tell me you heard this, Daniel. You may have, um, but it was on local radio. They were talking about it. So Aaron Rodgers admitted to doing hallucinogens that have calmed his nerves and made him the player or whatever. And he was doing these trips because I forgot where they said you had to go. It was out of the country, of course. Anyway, these trips were taken with Danica Patrick. So basically he exposed that Danica was doing this too. But anyway, where, where do we stand, guys, on the moral compass of going and doing hallucinogens out of the country for maintaining balance and focus? You're talking about ayahuasca, and I have one of my good friends. You actually used to be related to him, Nick Harmeyer, that went to Mexico, did the ayahuasca, and said it was a life-changing experience. His father had passed away some years before. So when he did the ayahuasca, first of all, he said the first thing he did was he threw up for like violently for an hour. He shit everything he had out of his bowels. And then he start, He had a conversation with his father for hours. So um, I'm all in, man. Let's do it. I don't want to like violently shit myself, but I mean, if you yeah, get I was going to say, you have me in some conflict because the second part is not a good, but the first part didn't. Daniel, yeah. are, you, are you down for the first part to get to the second part? Fuck no. <laughs> But apparently, hey, who 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 willingly wants to sign up? They, to go, you know, say, I'm I'm gonna vomit all over myself. Well, not everybody does. Myself. That. But Rand, Randy just said, I mean, and they don't believe about, it. And they were talking about Aaron, but they were people are saying that they're coming back from this, and they feel like a whole new person, and and they have let all the stress out. I'm, I'm, a, I'm multiple leave, people. You know, I'm gonna leave it at this. That is such an Aaron Rodgers thing to fucking do. <laughs> he looks like Nicolas Cage and Con Air now. Look at my guy after he came. I yeah. just want to point out that ayahuasca does not violate any of the NFL's drug testing policies. I would no. I would think not since Aaron openly admitted it. <laughs> be I don't even think he gives a shit. No. <laughs> he wants out anyways. So. All right, guys. Last call, Jim. Start us off. All right, man. Y'all know how big I am in college baseball. I get excited they, they, when they when they post up the the globe life. You know, I missed it last time because of snow. Uh, I'm excited to go except for one thing. And and Randy, I got to ask you, bro. Okay, so we got Oklahoma State, TCU, Texas, Arkansas, Vanderbilt. All were in our top 25. And then you have Missouri. You mean to tell me that every other SEC team is busy that weekend? What I mean to tell you is that – Missouri, they're just letting people know that they're still in the SEC because otherwise we wouldn't know. That or I uh, was told by, you know, some SEC dads, uh, Josh Tiger, that Oklahoma State, TCU, and Texas wanted to have a definitive win on the list as opposed to possibly getting swept like last time the, the, the teams went down there. And that is their old former Big 12 rival, so maybe that's going to mean something to them. But beating Missouri, that's kind of like riding a moped. Is it really cool? I mean <laughs> – I mean, Daniel, if you're buying tickets to this thing, I mean, are you – I mean, I'm being serious. Is that, is that not disappointing if you you see five, like, legit teams and then, like, all right, I got to watch three teams whoop Missouri? Yeah, I uh, kind of – I don't know. Disappointing. I mean, you talk about in, Tennessee, in LSU, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. I mean, come on. Let's go. The, the only thing that I can think of is maybe there's – so, like, this has been, like, the – only like big time like i don't know if it's a, it's not like a tournament but like it's like uh you know 
group of games early in the season, almost like, you know, those those basketball, like the those tournaments that you get during the basketball season and college basketball. Right, the one we want Memphis in always so we can find out what they're about. Right. So I feel like other leagues and other cities are going to go, well, if they can do it there, why can't we do it here and pull another six, eight teams there? So maybe that's what's going on. And teams are like, eh, I'm going to go do this over here on the West Coast or and play, you know, some teams that I wouldn't necessarily get a chance to play. This I don't know. True. Just a thought. I don't know. Rand- Randy. Randy, last call. What you got? Pop and acting icon Olivia Newton-John passed away at age 73. Sad stuff. Most famously known probably for her Grease co-starring with none other than John Travolta. But I'll just want to list off a couple of things for you guys. She was nominated for 12 Grammys in her career, her musical career, and she won a total of four. 1974 Best Country Vocal Performance. 1975 Record of the Year. 1975 Best Pop Vocal Performance Female. And 1983 Video of the Year. So, R.I.P. Olivia Newton-John. So, so because Grease was in the 80s, so she was doing so that that is that what basically landed her that role was her stardom singing, you think? Yeah. Was Greece in the 80s? I thought it was in the 70s. I mean, you yeah. might be right. Uh, either know. way, I think most of those awards probably came before Greece. She was a absolute icon th- th- throughout Greece was made in 1978. So she won those awards before. Well, three of the four she won before the movie. Let me let me ask you guys this. This is gonna be very um, Yes, I'm she hot. was still hot. No. <laughs> very, very unpopular opinion. If you're about to say Greece was a bad movie, I'll hang up this I'm, podcast right I'm now. I'm not gonna say bad. I'm gonna say overrated. And 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 there's a distinct difference between something being bad and something being overrated. You can be a good movie and be overrated. Look, I think it's like this. Is Greece one of my favorite movies? Absolutely not, because I don't fucking like musicals. However, <laughs> I can still give credence to an iconic movie that just has surpassed the test of time that everybody, even my children that are teenagers, still know Greece and have watched Dude, Greece. My daughter just did it for remember I showed you all the choir Absolutely. performance. So Absolutely. I think so. To me, it's that was one of the movies that changed the culture. It it introduced a lot of things. So to me. It's not overrated. If anything, and, it's underrated. And, and you know the thing is, Daniel, yeah. I, a lot of the movies, like I know you're a big Rocky guy, and Rocky wasn't cheesy. However, most movies that were back then were cheesy. It is what it is, dude. What's I mean? You don't think Rocky? You could people could make the argument that it was cheesy in some parts. No, nah, I really don't think it was. I actually think Rocky's legit. Daniel's Daniel's always been I, right about that. But I'll tell you this: big Rocky I, fan. I know that I'll never listen to anything Max Kellerman says again after he said Rocky Three was better than Rocky Four. Swear to God. That's that's false. That that's just just ridiculous. <laughs> hey, one more quick thing on my last call. Did you guys happen to see uh, Mad Dog and Ryan Clark going at it today? Did nope. not. After we get off of this, y'all go look it up on Twitter. Basically, what happened was Mad Dog. They were on first take, and he starts screaming at Ryan Clark. And in the middle of this, Ryan Clark said, "That's the last time you ever gonna raise your voice at me." So, Mad Dog, I'm going to tell you something right now. You made a lot of money yelling and doing all this thing, but you got to see that, man. You got to see that LSU born and bred. The Mitts don't play. Bred, the, man, forget the LSU. Those hits he was laying as a stealer. Mm. I already tell you. I wouldn't mm. want that smoke. 
Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, for me, I talked about CrossFit Games last week. It's now over. Got a fittest woman on earth. Tia Who was Tumi. the best exerciser, Daniel? Uh, for the women, Tia Tumi, and she's been the best exerciser for the past <laughs> six years. So the the scuttlebutt is that she's retiring, but we 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 don't know. We don't know. For the men, Justin Medeiros, back to back champion, um, which. You guys will like this. This is some some feel good stories. So second place was this guy named Roman Krinikov. All right. So he's qualified for the CrossFit Games the past five years. And because of visas and travel restrictions, because he's Russian, they wouldn't let him leave the country. And here's the most fucked up thing about this whole story is that his wife left Russia because she's a u.s citizen she was there with him met him they you know she got pregnant and she said well let's move back to the states he was planning on moving wouldn't let him leave this girl had their kid and he hadn't seen this kid until he was able to come to the crossfit games for the first time so pretty how old is this kid now it's no i mean they just had maybe oh i thought we might be talking about a while that's terrible But I mean, it's it's crappy, and it's he's just got lucky, you know, that they allowed him to go this time. So I'm surprised um, he didn't get first and lift a little extra with that uh, animosity. Yeah, I mean, he he did his damnedest, but um, the guy who won it's pretty damn good. But here here's the next story: is the guy who finished in third place, Ricky Garrard. Four years ago, he finished third place, and then you know, failed a drug test for PEDs and they stripped him of this third place and got a four year ban comes back this year and finishes third again. So it's like when you watch it on TV, you can tell all the people are like, don't like this guy. They just, they just don't, but this is what it is. Do you like this guy? I kind of do. Um, You know, I think penalties and bans are only as good as, if they have been if you've served it you allow that person to come back do you feel like four years is too much i mean you're talking about something that requires you to be at your peak physicality and four years is a long time to go by and you know i mean obviously you keep training but you get older man it's i mean it's not as easy yeah i mean if you if you like every year they test and every year people fail drug tests uh for various reasons some are you know knowingly taking things some are taking supplements that they didn't know because have any been busted for doing coke right before no (laughs) um not not that i'm not that i'm aware of i'm just saying there's been some nfl football players in the 80s who said they got down because they did hey maybe maybe that's what they need but in the team aspect, Rich Froning's team um, wins it again. And you guys are like, this is CrossFit Mayhem. They're out of Cookville, Tennessee. Yeah. It's a, a, a factory up there. But the big thing about Rich Froning is he's had 10 championships in his career, and he's talking about retiring. So big, big, big weekend in CrossFit, guys. So, you know, if you're into exercising, go to YouTube, go to CrossFit games youtube page and you know check out some Ray, of randy they say that if you watch exercise you don't actually have to exercise you should commit yeah can, can you get that http dot what 
was yeah, it's HTTP semicolon colon backslash backslash. Oh, found it. Got it. Boom. Workout.com. That's it. All right, guys, let's get out of here. Another great episode. I want to thank our guest, Jerome Carvin, for joining us. If you like Jerome's story or you just like hearing us average Joe's talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, comments, ratings, and feedback is always welcome. Everybody, come back Wednesday night. We got episode six coming at you. We're going to talk about Mississippi State baseball this past season, the two seasons before national championship. We're getting a recap of everything. We're going to be talking with Luke Hancock. It's going to be awesome. You're not going to want to miss it. This has been the In Off the Bench podcast. As always, remember, strong body, sharp minds, great and great all the time. We out.